Hey, Greg from the future here, and welcome back to the podcast. In today's deep dive episode, we talk with branding legend Marty Newmeyer. And my God, it's it's amazing. I don't know if you saw this on the channel, but you are in for a real treat. He and Chris talk about Marty's history going from the original art center all the way to Silicon Valley, how to connect creativity and business, and ultimately how to do better by doing less. I think you're really going to love this one. Please enjoy our conversation with Marty Newmeyer. I am beyond thrilled to have my guest who's sitting across from me, which I'll introduce in one second, to be here in the studio. This is a conversation that needed to happen many years ago, and Marty and I have been exchanging conversations, and he lives in Santa Barbara, and you know how LA people are, we just don't want to drive, and but we're here, we're here right now, so you guys, you're not going to believe this, I have the author of The Brand Gap, of Zag, of The Brand Flip, of Scramble, The Brand Dictionary, a total of eight books, I believe, eight books. I, he literally wrote the book on branding. He's here. You guys are going to stick around for this episode. We're going to get into a lot of things, how he got started, what he's up to today, and why are we even having this conversation? So let's get right into it. Marty Newmar, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. <laughs> At the future. Yes. And the future is definitely here. I can see it. I can smell it. <laughs> Does the future smell good? <laughs> yes. The future smells good. Yeah. I can, smells I like can crisp dollar bills <laughs> or fresh printing or something like that. <laughs> okay, so why are we talking today? I want to set the tone and tension. Initially, it was because you and I were producing a workshop here, or at least I shouldn't say producing. We're hosting the workshop that you're having here at the end of February called the Brand Master Class. And I wanted to have you on so in case somebody has been sleeping under a rock somehow and they haven't heard about you or the workshop, this would be a great opportunity to, to find out about this. But the class is sold out. You guys snooze, you lose. So the next opportunity to see Marty in the United States do his two-day workshop, which there's a certification part, which is incredible, is in Philly. Yeah, That's right. your next best time, our best opportunity to do this. So you guys will include the links in the description below if you guys want to attend that to go to Philly. I'm gonna tell you, this is something you do not want to miss. I agreed to host this just because I wanna learn from the master himself. Now, before we get into all the brand gap, the brand goodness and definitions and misunderstanding and dialogue, conversation and debates that have happened prior to this, I want to take us back in time. So we're going to rewind the tape because we were just talking. We're both art center people. Now, you have a few years ahead of me and the program was very different back then. Take me back. Oh, Tell me about Art, art Center, Center in the uh, mid-60s was a really cool place to be. Mm. It was in an old, um, used to be a girl's school, I think, in Hollywood. Third Street, uh, and it smelled like uh, pipe tobacco because every mm. um, you know design teacher, art teacher there smoked a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and probably wore a wool vest, yes. and uh, you know, uh, it was. But it was a cool place, and you, mm. you get a lot of teachers who are actually working professionals. And um, I mean, it was a lifesaver for me because my world opened up when I finally got to do what I always wanted to do, which is be a commercial artist. Uh, at seven years old, I had put, I put my stake in the ground <laughs> in grammar school, and that's what I wanted to be, and I stuck to that the whole time. And you knew that at seven years I old? I knew it at seven Holy years cow. old. Yeah, and everybody said, what? Commercial? Wow, you're ahead oh, of your time, for yeah. sure. Well, you know, you get these ideas in your head, and you just, you know, you, it becomes who you are, and so that's... that's um, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm just, you know, marking my days until I get to be, to go to art right, school. Right. So anyway, it was a, gr a great place to be. Um, there was no uh, graphic design um, track. 
Uh, they didn't use that term really. It was mm -hmm. just sort of coming out at the time. They had, you could go into advertising or you could be an illustrator. And so I took both of those, mm. figuring that graphic design was somewhere in there, you know, and uh, later they added the graphic design program. But um, a great experience. Um, I lasted two years until I couldn't afford it anymore because it was $50 a semester. <laughs> Where am I going to get $50? $50. That's outrageous. $50. $50. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, just for context, you guys, Art Center a semester now is, uh, I think, somewhere around $22,000 a semester. And this is important to note because some of the things we'll be talking about later about money and what we charge, just keep that in mind, all you young whippersnappers yeah. out there. It used to cost $50, and Marty could not afford it. Yeah, but my first really big job after I got out, um, really great campaign that I worked on, I got... Uh, Fifty dollars per ad. So, oh, I made it. Wow. Back. I mean, I made the whole thing back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, were you living in LA at this time, going arts? At that time, I uh, had moved. I left uh, school. I went to um, Santa Barbara. Got married okay. there. Okay. Okay. Started a freelance business. Uh, there were no designers, no graphic designers. You go look in the yellow pages where you'd find people, and there's nothing. So I had to actually have them put that in there for me, and I was the only one oh my under God. the graphic designer heading. And I had to, as part of my job as being the only graphic designer, I had to explain it to would-be clients. I had mm -hmm. to tell them what it was and why they should pay any money for it at all. And they'd say, oh, you're like, uh, yeah, you're a commercial artist. Oh, you know, that's, that's old school. Right. No, we, we, we're serious professionals now. You know, <laughs> explain why it's going to be good. And, yeah. and that... that, that um, exercise of having to explain it, uh, like what's the business value of design, was really good. And I think mm. that probably set me on this course of what I'm doing now is explaining uh, all this stuff and how business works and how design and business interacts, connects together. Mm -hmm. What What's uh, surprising for me to hear this story is I know you mostly through your books and through your writing and just how clear you write, how you articulate very complex ideas that are very tangible and just very easy to, to digest. So how did you develop this ability to write? Did you teach yourself? What does this come from? Yeah, I mean, it's, it comes from writing. Okay. And uh, one thing I, I have to interject before I answer that question okay. is that uh, what I've noticed about graphic design and probably other kinds of communication design is that language is super important in it, yes. even if you're not the word person. Mm. So um, that's what I discovered pretty early is that I can't do really award-winning cool work unless I have good writing to go with it because it'll drag it down to a lower level if it's not great. Yeah. And, the, you know, the words and the pictures have to work together. So one and one gives you three. Mm. So how am I going to do that? And I just started, you know, really looking closely at how award-winning work sounded, looked like, you know, how the words and pictures went together. I started just teaching myself how to do it. I didn't really like doing it. I didn't like writing. It was hard. It was harder than graphic design. Mm. I mean, graphic design is like eating candy. It's like you, you have a piece of candy and it's really good, so you want another one. Right. <laughs> And writing is like, oh, God, I'm tired after that one. That's like, it took everything <laughs> out of me. So it took many, many, many years before um, writing was pleasurable at all. But I always did like it when it came out well. And when mm. it made my work look really great, it was just like, yeah. And then, you know, it would win awards. And mm -hmm. uh, so, I, you know, I had that experience of doing it all and having control over uh, both sides of communication, the words and the pictures. And, and that really... Um, taught me a lot and it started leading me into thinking about 
how other things connect. You know, how does design connect with business? Where's the connection? Because my clients didn't really see it, right? right. And I wasn't sure exactly how I was contributing to their business mm-hmm. because they wouldn't tell me really what their business was or how they were uh, achieving success. And so I had to figure that out so that I could be in that conversation. So many of, uh, while we're on the subject, so many people in our audience and our community have a really difficult time answering that question. What value does design or writing creativity have on a company? Because they're feeling that pressure of doing work for less and they don't even know how to articulate that. So here you are in the 60s, 70s in Santa Barbara and you're already figuring this stuff out. How, how could you advise or help some of these young, younger people that are out there right now who have a hard time communicating like, what is design, what's the value of it? I would love to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, um, so, so business has its own aims. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really profit driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more to it than that. It's not just money, money, money. Right. It shouldn't be. Um, and design has its own history and we all love that history and we want to be like those people that we admire in our business. Um, and if it's a new whole new thing, we want to be the leaders in that, but it's kind of, uh, divorced from business unless you connect it yourself. And that place that it connects is branding. That's the area where everyone plays together, right? So whatever skills, um, you have as, as a designer, as a creative person, um, um, they become weaponized when you understand branding. Um, suddenly, you know where to aim those skills, that talent, you know. So it, it's, uh, it's a force multiplier. It's like, you know, so once I understood that branding is the area where we can all play together and, and, and we understand each other's business and what we're doing together, um, probably made me about 10 times as valuable as I was when in the early days when I was mm-hmm. just copying what Milton Glaser did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Paul Rand before sure. him. Um, you know, so uh, I actually knew how this um, hopefully award-winning work would actually be driving business forward, and I could explain it uh, from my little corner of what they were doing, how it was helping them. And then they'd um, appreciate it more, pay me more, uh, let me into more uh parts of the company that I wasn't in before. Um, so I realized that um, even though business wasn't something I was ever really very interested in, I had to be interested in it if I wanted my work to be great. So many questions here. I, I feel like I'm going to splinter into a thousand parts and pieces here in that the term branding, I think, unfortunately, has become some like people use it interchangeably with logo design, identity design, or mm-hmm. even sometimes typography. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to set the record straight. And I, I, I know you're the best person to tell us what is branding, Marty? Yeah. So let's start with what branding isn't. Okay. It's because it's not a lot of things people say it is. Yes. It's not a logo. Okay. A logo is a very useful tool for a business, but it's not the brand. It's a symbol for the brand. A brand is not a product. So when people talk about this brand, buying this brand or that brand, they're really talking about buying one product or another product. The brand is not that. Uh, People say the brand is a promise the company makes to Mm -hmm. customers. And there's some truth in that. I mean, it it does end up acting as a promise, but that's not what it is either. Uh, Advertising people like to say, well, it's the sum of all the impressions that a company makes on an audience. Yeah. Well... You know, if you're trying to sell a lot of impressions, I can see where that might be useful to you. But from, from a business's point of view, why do they want that? <laughs> right? 
So, and how does that help self-serving uh, creative people understand what they're doing? Right. So, um, uh, none of those things are really uh, what what branding is. A brand is a result. It's it's um, a customer's gut feeling about a product, a service, or a company. It ends up in their heads, in their hearts. Right. Um, uh, they take whatever raw materials you throw at them and they make something out of it. But it's they're making it. They're creating it. And so in a sense, when you create a brand, you're not creating one brand. You're creating millions of brands, like however many customers or people in your audience. Oh. Each one has a different brand of you. So a brand is like a reputation. right? So it's your business reputation. And everyone's going to be a little bit different about what that reputation is. And that's okay as long as you have a you've got it corralled mostly where you want it, and that it's beneficial to the company. So um, we tend to look at companies and and designers uh, tend to look at branding as from our point of view like we're this is something we're doing, we're telling a story, we're we're making a claim, we're you know we're making a pitch, uh, and and that's what we do. But that's not what a brand is. A brand is the result of that. And if you don't start there, you don't know what you're doing. You mm. actually don't know what you, you, you think you know what you're doing, but you, you don't. So from a, a, from a designer's point of view, I mean, I always tended to be this way. It's like, I just had a, it was my gut feeling, right, about whether this is going to work or not. And yeah. then I would sell it as hard as I could to mm -hmm. get the client to sign off on it. Um, from the client's point of view, they're going, well, it's a checklist. I got the, you know, I got the logo, I got the, uh, I got the tagline, I got the ad campaign, click, check, check. And they think they're done. Right. None of that's right. You know, mm. what's right is what happens in people's heads? Like, what have we achieved? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the reputation that we've created through, uh, the products we're putting out, like, and the design of the products, the messaging we're putting out, the look and feel of them, uh, our culture, you know, how does that affect people, how our, how our employees behave, you know, how is that affecting um, our reputation, all that stuff counts, so it's a big world, and it actually uh, takes in almost all of business. Not so much finance, but finance is involved too, because mm -hmm. finance has to green light all these things. But uh, almost everybody in a in a company is, you know, affecting the brand, doing something with the brand, doing it for the brand, or hurting the brand. So, you you, you got to think of it that way. Now, this is not um, well understood. So um, anybody who gets this and can explain it is in a very powerful position with the company, right? And designers are just naturally good at this. Like if we opened our minds to it. Uh, and learned a few skills, learned a little bit more about business, we suddenly have a lot more control over uh, how our work is perceived by our clients, how it works in the marketplace, how much we get paid for it. Uh, and at some point, when you get really good at this, you don't have to charge by the hour. You charge by the results, and, or, or not even that. You just charge for being involved mm. at the very highest level. Uh -huh. Um, and it can be huge amounts of money. So the, the range of like starting out as an hourly performer, getting up to where you're an expert in something is huge. I mean, the, the, the difference is like it's millions of dollars uh, in your income. So it's worth doing is what I'm saying. So no matter what skills you have creatively, if you um, find out how they apply in the world of branding, they're suddenly more valuable. Same skills. But you, you will be doing it differently. Um, and you'll have the confidence that you're doing it really, really well, and you can explain why. Whew. 
I didn't want to say one word because that was perfect. This is unscripted. Marty's just talking from decades of experience and writing and articulating this. It's very clear to me. I'm trying to imagine myself in the audience right now listening to this. Like, you mean I could have a more profound impact on the business, Marty? Are you saying there's more to this brand thing than the logo or the product? And, and then it's like you're talking about business and I can make more money, I, I can charge for the result or even my involvement. This sounds very exciting. So if they're watching this and they're in the traditional graphic design space and they make things visual, what are some easy, like, let, let me just get started in this world. Do I have to learn how to write? Do I have to uh, take a business course or, or get a business degree? Ha point me in the right direction, maybe not the whole plan, but just help me out. Uh, you know, the business degree is interesting. I've talked to some people who have sort of learned how to do their craft and then they've taken business MBA classes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really helped a lot. Um, but you have to figure out how to put those together because you're not going to hear anything about design in an MBA class. Nothing, zero zilch. <laughs> They don't want to think about it, right? Yeah. So it's your job to get them to think about it. So um, that's why I wrote my books. I would just say start there. And okay. Anybody else who writes books like mine, if there are that many people, uh, but where, where um, they're trying to connect um, creativity and business. Um, they ha you have to connect them. And you can figure this out yourself, but it, I think it helps to get um, you know inspired by it and get a few principles under your belt. And then suddenly the world will open up for you and you go, oh my God, it's like... I'm really powerful if I if if I understand what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Paul Rand, a famous graphic designer, um, told me that when I um, this magazine here um, uh, critique. Mm. I did this for five years uh, until it almost killed me. Uh, <laughs> and sort of similar ideas, like how can I bring designers uh, closer to um, being ma masterful? Yeah. Like you know, how do I teach them about business? How do I? How do we talk more about the ideas behind design instead of just the look and feel of it? Yeah. And uh, when I did the first issue, I uh, sent it to Paul Rand, who was old at this time. He was, uh, I didn't know it, but he would only live a few months after that. Oh, wow. And he looked at the magazine and he says, yeah, 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 this is good. You got some good people in here. If I were you, I would just like only show good work. Don't show any bad work. Don't show crap like those other magazines. Just, you know, do who's kind of like that cigar chewing kind of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> gruff sort of person. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, you got to teach designers what they're doing. That's what he said. Um, and I thought, gosh, that's right. I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing. And uh, nobody ever gave me that advice before. I did get some really good advice um, when I was a young designer. Um, I went to a poster biennial in Colorado where they have this annual a biennial uh, poster, uh, international poster um, conference competition, and the winners are there, and you're, you're meeting these famous people that you know have been in Graphis magazine and so mm -hmm. forth. Uh, and I was just really excited to, to have won an award and be talking to those people. And I ran into, you know, we all have our plates of food and we're sort of <laughs> schmoozing and everything. And uh, I run into this old guy. Um, he seemed like he was probably 90, but, you know, to, he's probably only 70. Uh, I was pretty young, so uh, 25 or something. And uh, he says, oh, so you're, uh, what do you do? You're like a, you're a designer. I go, yeah. That's a, yeah, I was a designer, too. I used to art direct Graphis Magazine when it first started. And I said, whoa. I think I've seen your name before. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, um, let me, I'm, I'm, you know, pr 
almost retired. I mean, I'm still working and everything because yeah. I love it. But um, let me just, you're young, let me give you a piece of advice. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, he says, okay, just got to tell me one or two things about how you work. And I said, all right. He says, well, um, so you work at a, like, at a desk or a table? And I said, yeah, yeah, I have a table with a drawing board on it. So that's good. Says, okay, is the table like up against the wall, like you're facing the wall, or is it um, out in the middle? Or I said, well, it's kind of like it's uh, one side of it's against the wall, and then it's sticking out into the space. Okay. Goes, oh yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. So here's my advice: when you finish your um, sketch or your drawing or your work, whatever you're working on, uh, get up and go to the other side of the table. I said, yeah. Because no, that's it. And it took me like about a minute to, to like, oh, all right, I get it. Look at it from the other point of view. And he goes, exactly, mm. exactement, he says French. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I, I just thought that was um, charming and wonderful. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a great metaphor for really what we should be doing. We have to look at our work from the the reader's point of view, the user's point of view, the client's point of view. We cannot look at it just from our own point of view. It's just not going it's, it's to get us anywhere. We have to look at it from a different point of view. So um, I think that stuck in my mind for a long time, and eventually that's why I started testing my work. I wanted to make sure that I actually nailed it uh, because it's going to get judged, right, sooner mm -hmm. or later. Mm -hmm. It's going to be judged in the marketplace. So what if I could get judged before it goes in the marketplace oh, and correct yeah. it? We're going to get into more of that. I just want to make sure the pro group or the YouTube community that's tuning in to watch, Jonah and Mark are uh, checking out your questions and the questions that are relevant to what we're talking about, we will bring up to Marty. Now, this idea of testing is going to make a lot of sense in a little bit. But before we get there, we're going to do like a, a Quentin Tarantino style edit here. We're going to take you back to Santa Barbara and then you move to Silicon Valley at some point. I think mm. you said you spent 15 years in Santa Barbara. Mm. Uh, basically, the only listing under graphic design in the yellow pages. Young people won't know what we're talking about, but <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You decide to move to Palo Alto and you're going to work there. Um, I think some something very special is happening with Steve Jobs and Apple and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Take us, like, what, what made you go out there? How did you relocate your business? How did you get business? I want to know all this oh, stuff. It was such a wrenching change mm -hmm. for my wife and me and our daughter uh, because we lived in Santa Barbara and um, even though it was very difficult from a business standpoint, it was beautiful from a living standpoint. Right? Yes. And we had to leave that mm -hmm. to, to make enough money to send our daughter to college eventually. You know? yeah. And so that was, that was the tough, re we just weren't getting anywhere. So, yeah. so um, I started hearing a lot about um, Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. and um, it seemed like not a big thing to me at the time. Yeah. Uh, but then I talked to a few people who were like investors and stuff, and they were saying like, no, no, Silicon Valley is like hot, hot, hot. It's like, and, we, and it, at the time we were in a recession, the rest of the world was in a recession. Mm. Silicon Valley's hot? You're kidding me. Oh yeah, I mean, you don't know what's going on there. Yeah. So I started, um, just looking around at like what companies were up there. I mean, there was no internet or anything. So 
Uh, there is no way to easily find this out. I mean, but, were they even computer? I mean, what, what year are we talking uh, about here? The, well, 80s, that's right? the reason I wanted to move is because yeah. the Apple Macintosh, well, it's almost ready. It was ready to come Almost out. ready? Okay. They had the, I saw the Lisa. Okay. Uh, Apple's team brought the Lisa to Santa Barbara in, mm-hmm. in this trade show that had like three booths. Yeah. <laughs> And they were all just these like little desktop, funny desktop computers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, there's this beautiful one with beautiful graphics. And I went, oh, my God, where did this come from? Oh, Palo Alto, right. or Silicon Valley. Yeah. So um, I started looking at, you know, what companies were up there. And I saw all these like Atari was up there mm-hmm. and uh, um, shoot, uh, Hewlett Packard. And, and then I started looking, finding them on the map. And I'm like, these are like all within like, I don't know, five square miles. Mm. All of these companies. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the clients that, you know, they're right there. All you have to do is like move in and say, I'm here, you know? And right. so that's what we did. And it was just that easy. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, we started with a phone number only. That's just a test. You could get a phone number that, that looked like it was from that area. Yeah. But it really rang in your, you know, so that was a nice tricky little thing. And so um, I'd get calls uh, or I'd call, I'd cold call um, companies and say, can I show my portfolio? Because that's what you did. And they'd say, yeah, um, you know, so I called Apple and I said, can I, yeah, yeah. So I said, can I show my portfolio? And I got, um, like the, the Apple creative team, they said, yeah, come on in. Uh, how about Monday morning? So I get in the car, you know, Sunday night and I drive up and I stay over at a friend's house. Are you still living in Santa Barbara at this time? I was living in Santa okay. Barbara. So, so you like got the Palo Alto phone 400 mile drive oh to, to the first meeting. Okay. Right. But, <laughs> it's but a they, long they can't know that, right? right? Because they got to think I'm local or they're right. not going to give me any work. So sure. I just drive up and I stay overnight and I get there and they forgot about the appointment. Like I missed oh. it totally. I had to drive back. Oh it's like, my God. It's like, didn't mean anything to them, right? right. But to me, it was like everything. Right. So, uh, you know, so I, I but I, I made that work. I, I landed Sun Microsystems. I got Atari. I was yeah. doing this wonderful work from Atari from Santa Barbara. And then I installed one of my former employees up there in a little one of those, like, you know, workspace offices where you get a cubicle. Yeah. Uh, and she was doing more work. Then I was getting in Santa Barbara. So I said, okay, okay that's, it. that's it. We got to be there. Yeah. We packed up the kid and uh, the parakeets and the cats <laughs> and the dogs and stuck them in it's our It's like Noah's car. Ark here. Noah's Ark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, drove up there. It was this horrible, horrible thing. My daughter hated it. She was just starting high school. Oh. Uh, it was just like she just, it was really, really wrenching. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we got there, it was like the, just the roof fell in with work. It, you know, all I had to do is say, look, this, this is where I started to realize specialization okay. was really powerful. Okay, this is, I, I said, lean in, listen I, to I just, I just said, uh, this is a big lie. You know, it's the sort of fake it till you make it thing. Yes. I, I told clients, look, all I do is high tech. That's all I do. Other designers, they'll do a little high tech. Then they'll do a museum. You know, I mean, they're just not dedicated to this. I'm right. all about high tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I had done maybe two jobs for tech <laughs> Tech companies, but I could show those two jobs. Yeah. So I and they said, "Hey, that's great because nobody really, you know, takes this stuff seriously." Um, and I got a lot of work, and then and so I said, "This is totally working, right?" And my, my income uh, quadrupled wow. first year. Yeah. So all I did is bring the same Good skills I had to a different place. Literally. Right? Yeah. Into a situation where there yeah. was um, a framework for it. Mm-hmm. So you did a couple of really smart business things. 
may I ask, like at that time, how old you are? Your daughter's in going into high school, so she's like 15 years old. Yeah. How so old were you back then? Uh, let's see. So I must have been 30, early 30s. Early 30s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So here you are in your early 30s. You realize you got to go where the client is because they ain't coming to you. No. You also did something that most designers would never do. You had the guts to pick up the phone and just call people and say, hey, I'm in town. Let's, oh, let's do something. That's the hardest thing right? I ever did. I'm just, um, you know, they say that if, you're, if, you are, um, if you run a business, you're probably uh, an extrovert. And I think you need to be. But I think mm. a lot of designers are not no. born extroverts, so they have to learn to be extrovert mm -hmm. or fake it. Yeah. Like just force themselves to be extroverted when needed. Right. And that's, that's what I did. But um, you know what makes that a lot easier is if you have something that the person on the other side of the fence or the phone or, or the computer really wants, it's, it's not a cold call. It's a very warm call. Mm. So you just have to have that thing mm -hmm. and be able to express it. So, you know, so um, I would say, look, um, you don't know me, but um, I'm an award-winning designer. Like I thought that meant something. Uh, maybe you did at the time. Yeah. And I only do high tech and um, I'm doing um, identities and um, advertising and just like everything for small startup um, technology companies. Mm -hmm. And I just love, love to show you what I've done for X, X and X, you know, uh, Sun Microsystems, Atari, uh, Apple, because I was involved in the launch of the Macintosh uh, Plus. So I had some things to show there. Um, and, and it was like, yeah, come on over. So there was just really not this um, sort of distance like there is now uh, and like there was for me forever until I had something I could specialize in and say look this thing is what I own right nobody else does this if that's what you want we need to meet and I would yeah okay or they would say no we don't need anything now and that's fine right later they might I have so many questions about what was your what was your instinct or what drove you to say of all the things I can sell it seems obvious now but back then I'm just going to tell people I do high tech and I only have two things under my belt. Uh, it was because <laughs> pretty you're, silly, uh, I mean, you're and, looking back. and it's pretty awesome that you figured that out because again, just like you're, and I'm seeing patterns here, you go to Santa Barbara, like I'm the only graphic designer. I'm just going to take over this category. Yeah. And then you go to Palo Alto. It's like a lot of computer companies. I should just tell them I'm high tech. Yeah. I mean, where did that come from? And how did you know, like, that's what I want to say because so many people are afraid that by staking a claim or specializing, they're limiting all these opportunities when it's actually the opposite. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? <laughs> it so, is. So, you know, as a designer, you're creative and people who are creative like to do lots of things. Yes. I mean, they want to be Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, really, they want to be Renaissance people. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun to do that, but the world doesn't want that from you. And so I had to understand that. And I, I think I understood it um, like in the first 10 years of being a designer, I'd watch how illustrators got famous. So in the mm. old days, I don't think there are any illustrators the way they were then, but you know, you had all these magazines and you know, there's Playboy magazine. You always wanted to be in that one because it got a lot of readership. Yep. Um, uh, so an illustrator, if, if would settle on it, one style, mm. one look yep. that um, was unique and cool. And uh, then that illustrator like got hot and within five years was dominating it. And then, and then had another five years uh, until they would be out of business basically because everyone had seen everything they could do and it yeah. just, the world moves on. So there's like a 10 year career yep. that they could, and, and if they wanted to change after that and adopt another style, they could probably have an, a second act. 
But I'm, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be the kind of person that has a 10-year career, but I have to admit, they really get successful fast yeah. by doing one thing. And I said, what if I applied that to uh, something else about my business, like the kind of work I did or the kind of, in this case, in Silicon Valley case, the kind of business that I specialized in so that I get a lot of word of mouth. So people would say, oh, you need a designer? This guy did our whole, everything. He did the whole thing. It's like amazing, like brought us from nowhere to being highly visible. You got it here. Have, have my guy. Yeah. Um, and so that was my original idea when I got there. And then I found out that actually Silicon Valley was moving past that really quickly. And it was so big, getting so big, so fast that, um, that was no longer a specialty. It was, that was too general to say, you know, I do identity and everything for a company. Like I, I do all their communication because, uh, Software companies didn't talk to hardware companies who didn't talk to chip companies who didn't talk to, you know, I mean, they were all separate little um, universes and you had to pick one. So, so eventually I decided that I would be the guy you go to if you need retail software packaging, which was just starting. Wow. Um, It was just starting and it it was like, I I really didn't want, want to specialize, but I could see why it worked you know yeah. you know it's like it just makes the decision so easy for clients they go well we need this we got this checklist we need the package we, who's going to do that who does these things joe go find the go find the package designer and they go out and get landor or somebody and i right. said no i'm going to be the guy that does it and and that means i have to do only that yeah or at least that's what i say that's what i have to say right if i do other things i'm just not going to show those things i'm just going to master this and I'm going to be obviously mastering it so that I can prove it and and then I'll get it all for as long as that lasts. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I did and um, that worked amazingly well and it was only about two years before we were charging more than Landor and more than anybody actually because Landor didn't know what they were doing and couldn't, couldn't explain why they were doing what they were doing. Mm. I want to get into all that. Uh, Mark, you flagged me. You're like, make a little signal and then I'll acknowledge you. Just give me one second. I do want to talk about this a little bit uh, just to to kind of re-articulate what you've said. There's a lot of stuff to absorb here. So you started out kind of broad as I'm a graphic designer, communication, advertising guy, and you thought that was specialized enough. Nope, maybe it's just identity design or maybe it's just for high tech industry. And then it became... Software retail packaging. And you just uh, you went narrow and business narrow. software. Business <laughs> uh, because that's where I love that. Yeah. Business software retail packaging. Yeah. So if somebody needed that, there was one game in town that was your game. Yeah. And you dominated. Yeah. And you went against and people don't know this, Landor is a ginormous operation, a multinational yeah. corporation, right? It's just high prices too. High prices. Okay. Yeah. Mark, we have a question either on branding uh, or specialization or something like yeah. that. Go ahead, Mark. So we have a good question from the pro group from Ash here. He's asking, how do you measure the effectiveness of branding uh, in terms of ROI? Okay, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, so uh, traditionally people say, you can't can't measure it because it's too soft. It's it's too amorphous. But you can uh, measure it in terms of... um, engagement with with uh, customers and you can measure that from year to year and it's cheap and it's almost free to do if any company wants to do it my book uh, the brand flip has a really good formula for that and it's it's called the brand ladder mm, and I it, saw mo- that. It, it measures how people move up from um, 
how they how they regard your company, so how your reputation is doing. So um, there it is. There's the brand ladder. Yeah. So Chris, what's at the <clears throat> bottom of the ladder? Bottom of the ladder is satisfaction. Right. So um, are customers satisfied with with the company and, and what they put out? Well, that's a pretty low bar these days, right? Yeah. Satisfied means, yeah, it, it did what they said yeah. it would do, and, you know, I, you know, maybe I'll buy it again. It feels like that's And then from the, there, you go up to what? The next step up is delight. Delight. So um, delight is when um, you're going, wow, I didn't know it would be this good. This is really cool, and I'm going to tell my friends, mm-hmm. right? So you can measure that. Mm-hmm. And the next one is? Engagement. Engagement. So at, at engagement, you're like, as a customer, you're going, I love this company, and um, I really feel like I belong with this brand, with this, um, um, I love this product. Let's say Apple. I, I'm really an Apple person. Mm-hmm. I really buy, I just buy everything they come out with because I know it's going to be good. I just, uh, even if I, I've never even thought of that before, that category, you know, here comes an Apple watch. I didn't even know I wanted a watch. I'm going to get it. Right. So that's an engaged customer. And then from there... You have three things under engagement I want to point out to okay. them because I have the book in front of me. I'm not a genius here. Automatic repurchase is how you can tell. You just with that question, they launch a new thing. I'm I'm in. I'm bought in. Uh, the emotional attachment. Uh, you've talked about this in many of your books about how when Steve Jobs passed away, there was like vigils and people were like crying and just eulogies and all kinds of stuff. There was an emotional attachment. You don't feel that way about a lot of companies and the sense of belonging. Like mm-hmm. I'm an Apple tribe guy and I know my PC friends. I'm a Chris Doe tribe guy, right? I, I like mean, that. It's, um, yeah. And so what you're doing though is you're going beyond that. You're, you're at the top level. Yes, here we are. The top, the top of the brand ladder is empowerment. Talk to empowerment. me about that. So that's where as um, <clears throat> someone who's joined the brand, which is what you do with brands, you don't buy them, you join them, um, is saying, I don't know what I would do without Chris Chris Doe helping me understand all this stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be making as much money. I wouldn't be as happy. Um, I'm I'm totally bought in. My life wouldn't be as good if you took that brand away from me. So that's that's at the very top. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and your customers are going to be at all these different levels. But you want to see how many have moved up to the top. So that's a way to measure the overall success of the brand. Now, as far as your part in the brand, that's a little more difficult. You have to like decide what it is you're contributing. To, uh, mm-hmm. to make that happen mm-hmm. on the brand ladder and then explain that. So a lot of it's just being, being logical about it and just saying, I know what we're trying to do together. Here's how my part's going to help. And so it's, it's a bit of explaining. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and if you know enough to know more than that, more than what your part is, now you're becoming more valuable. Now you're someone to listen to. Right. Um, would it be fair to say, like, when you engage with a company that wants to enlist your services, that you probably want to establish a baseline, some kind of metric, like let's measure something first mm-hmm. and let's make mm-hmm. an effort towards improving that. Whether yeah. like right now, let's just say they're at the lower rung of the ladder and like we just have satisfaction. We're just barely doing what it is that we tell people we're going to do. We want to move them up to delight. Like, and then you come up with ideas on how to add a little surprise. Right. Yeah. Yes. That you go beyond expectations and then you can yeah. measure that. Maybe customer right. surveys, satisfaction things, you rank things, something like so that. So the right? first thing is to have this language, mm-hmm. right? So that a lot of my books are just about creating, that's why I have a dictionary. It's creating a language so that you can um, talk with business people in a way they'll understand it. And it doesn't mean using their language, but it's using sort of a, um, a language that everybody understands and that you could easily explain that makes sense to both sides. So... Um, if you talk about engagement, they're going to get that. Yeah. And they're going to understand how engagement leads to customer loyalty and loyalty uh, leads to higher profits. Mm-hmm. 
But if you can talk about higher profits too, I mean, that's what branding is about. Branding is a way to get more people to buy more stuff for more years at a higher price. And every uh, business owner can appreciate that. And then you just have to say, like, here's how we're going to help. Yeah. But already you've given them some information that they didn't know. They didn't know branding was supposed to do that, right? So, I mean, that's what my uh, Level C program is trying to do, is teach uh, all that, that language to people. And uh, little by little, they absorb it so they can talk about it um, without, you know, in their sleep mm -hmm. and, and um, make sense to people who actually are going to hire them. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hey, Ben Burns from the future here. If you don't recognize my voice, you might know me from our YouTube channel as the friendly guy with the big beard. Yep, that's me. Listen, the future's mission is to teach a billion creatives how to make money doing what they love without feeling gross about it. And let's be honest, historically, we creative types are great at producing the work, but not so great at running the business, especially when it comes to things like sales, marketing, and money. I know, personally, I used to struggle with all of those. Now, fortunately for you though, we have a slew of courses and products designed specifically to help you run your business better. These are tools like the complete case study and the perfect proposal. These things are there to help you attract new clients and then wow them with a thorough and professional presentation. Now you can go even deeper with one of our business courses like project management, how to find clients and the intensive business bootcamp. Check out all of our courses and products about running a creative business by visiting thefuture.com slash business. Welcome back to our conversation with Marty Neumeyer. I'm going to just admit I'm a Marty Neumeyer fanboy for sure. I, I think I have almost all of your books. I had to track down this through a used bookseller and I was like, I'll get it any which way I can get it because I knew you were coming here. I'm like, let me track it down. Yeah, this is a, this one is mm -hmm. here. I, I don't know. I, maybe you can get these like used on, on Amazon or something. The gray market maybe, eBay maybe. Maybe, maybe yeah. eBay. Yeah. Uh, this um, is a little dictionary, um, paper dictionary that um, was commissioned by Google. Because oh, wow. they um, wanted to use all my my language, my system, my understanding of branding mm -hmm. for their clients, their mm -hmm. big high roller clients. Yeah. Um, and so they started at like a little school, and my dictionary is the the, the, the text that they that they use for that. So um, I updated it from the earlier version, put in a lot of sort of Google terms, and so mm -hmm. that that one's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. But I have an even a newer one, more updated that that you can get on Amazon. It's a ebook, e so it's uh, yeah. It's okay, and that is hyperlinked. The the dictionary of brand from A to Z. The dictionary. It's of brand. called uh, Brand A to Z. Brand A to Z. Yeah. There we go. And you can get it actually free if you just sign up on my website. Just subscribe. Okay, we'll include that link in a little bit. And and as I was talking, Marty's mm -hmm. authored uh, eight books and probably has a couple of more in him. But we've talked about the brand gap, and this is I refer to this a lot. I also love Zag, and and right now I'm just like rereading this like a gazillion times. This is the brand flip, and. Uh, a lot of times you read books and you feel like a little bit smarter and you learn a few new words. But what I love about your books is that I can apply 
what it is I'm reading. There are frameworks built in and there's a lot to think about. From the brand gap, I think it was the onlyness statement where there's like this structure and I started to use it. Now I have to say you're a far superior writer and this is not like false modesty because when I read it, it makes sense. Everything clicks. Every example you gave was like, oh, so, so good. And then you try to do it yourself and you're like, Okay, this is like taking golf lessons. Like (laughs) when you're taking the lessons, you're hitting the ball 300 yards and then you can't do it on your own the next day. No, I'm not even that good. I just watch you do it. And then I went to swing and went right into the lake or wherever it went. But there's some great frameworks. Now, we're looking at our community and the brand that we're building around the future. And I remember having a management meeting. I turned to the teams like, let's stop talking about click funnels and marketing and retargeting and all that kind of stuff. Yes, we do need to do that. But I want to talk about how we empower our community, the pro group. And I've made it like our mantra to sit there and think about how we can achieve these five things that you talk about in the book for our community. And I want to go over it. Personal growth. How do we help our community grow? How can we give them emotional support? That was number two. How can we help them to achieve business success, make more money, charge a higher rate, do fewer pitches, whatever it is, we want to help you grow in your business. Social status. And that's not something we think about. Like, how do we celebrate the people who are doing a great job and help them rise in esteem among their peers and to achieve fulfillment? So you guys, if if you get nothing from our talk today, remember those five things, whether you're a solopreneur, if you run a big firm, if you're managing a team of 100,000 people, think about your customers in that way. And if you can do that, that's the top of the rung, empowerment. Right. So go back to the definition of what a brand is. It's a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or company. So that means it's not what you say it is. It's what they say it is. And once you understand that and start thinking about what that means for you, it changes everything. So that's the big sort of flip. Is you, in your mind, you have to realize it's not about you. It's about them and what they achieve. So if you have customers or clients, think about um, how is their life transformed by what you're doing in some, some small way? Or how is their company transformed? And you've got to be aiming at that all the time, not aiming at your own success because you know you have to worry about that but that's not what's really going to make you successful it's doing something big for your clients and once they understand that they can't live without you um, all things are possible Mm. okay let's see Uh, mark is there another good question and thanks for kicking us off with that question if i don't want to prompt it unless you find like a really good question because i have more things i want to okay i'm gonna prioritize my questions over your questions we'll just keep going here so, so Marty, you, before we went live, we were talking a little bit about how you were the reluctant salesperson, but you did it and you achieved success. Like even in the first year, you're like quadrupled your business, but you were sharing with me something that I, I have to, we have to recreate for the, our audience here. You talked about as the new Meyer design team, your pitch was, I've got a presentation on 20 ways to sell more software. This sounds genius. Tell me about it. And who could refuse this at this point? Yeah, uh, this is a breakthrough for me. This is kind of, it's the perfect uh, question after what we just said about, like, how are you going to do something for, you know, what are you doing to change your customers or clients' lives? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really wasn't fully getting it at that stage. And, um, but I didn't know I had to specialize, so I took, took up the specialty of software packaging and figured out every part of what a software package needed to do and ways of measuring it and ways of testing it and all that. And so I had it. And I put together a typical portfolio showing, here's all the great work we did, and here's what we did on this one, we did this for this company, and so forth. And, um, and then here, you know, here's some of the results we got. Um, for instance, for Apple, they said, um, 
the president of uh, the of Claris, which was Apple's software um, division. Uh, I asked him how it went. He goes, "Are you kidding? No one told you." I said, "No." He said, "We got forty percent increase in sales across fifteen products without changing one product." Hmm. Wow. I went. That sounds really good. He goes, "Yeah, that's forty percent with no extra work. An extra forty. You don't know how much money that is. Like, like I'm a hero." And I said, "Can I um, quote you?" <laughs> His name is Bill Campbell. Just a wonderful guy. Um, he goes, "Yeah, you, you should. Yes, definitely quote me." So um, I had that slideshow kind of put together, and I showed it to um, a guy who had nothing, really nothing in common with. Um, he was completely a marketing guy and a retail consultant um, helping software and hardware retailers to sell stuff like it's just not my world um, even though my 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 packages uh, are in those stores I really don't think about it the way he thinks about it so I said would you kind of look at my slideshow and because I th think it'd be great if you recommended us to some of your contacts because you know all these retailers he goes yeah I'll look at it so I looked at it and he didn't say a word through the whole thing at the end, he goes, well, where's the ending? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I, I showed you all the stuff. He says, you didn't tell me, like, how much money this is making for the client. <laughs> Why are they going to spend money on you? Right, you didn't right. even say how much it was. I said, well, we, you know, we designers don't talk about Yeah, it's kind of gross. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all, you know, we, we, you know it's, it's, uh, depends on you know, the assignment. So, right. said, no, no, no. Just tell me how much it costs and how much it's going to do for me. Right. And I said, well, um, Bill Campbell said, you know, that they got 40% increase. And he goes, you're kidding me. He goes, that's your ending right there. If you don't say that, you're out of your mind. Let's mm, go back mm -hmm. and do that over. Uh, and then, uh, then I realized another client had said, look, we've got, um, we did, you, you know, you did our, uh, a series of products for us and we got a 500% increase after that. I went, wow, <laughs> that's really good. So I started collecting those and using them. Uh, to prove the value of design. Yeah. It's like, this is a measurable thing. You know, mm -hmm. you, you do a package, uh, it was, the product was selling X, and now it's 10 times X or 5 times X. So that's something you can put in there, and you should. Um, does it really tell you that much about why that happened? No, it doesn't tell you anything. But, but business people aren't as, um, uh, as uh, geeky as you think about business. They just like, they just want something that they can tell each other. Mm -hmm. So give them something, uh, give them something true uh, that sounds like um, a business result. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you're all happy. And, mm -hmm. um, and just keep learning how to do it better. My business coach used to tell me that they need a repeatable story and you gave them plenty. 40% yeah. increase, 500% increase. Those are some stories. Like, yeah. They forget the rest of the presentation. Right. And they just go back and like, we needed this guy. They didn't change a single thing and, and they and sold 500 And I think people. an important part of that particular pitch, uh, aside from here are the results, where it was, and here's how much it costs to get those results. And so I was smart enough to realize that if those results were like amazing, um, I don't know if Landar could get those kind of results. I don't think so because I don't think they thought about it very much, like how to actually accomplish what they needed to accomplish. Um, let's see, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, where were we? Take me back. <clears throat> I went off on that uh, side road. Um, I don't know where we were at either, so let me think here. 
I was talking about the repeatable story yeah. and about the impact you're able to create, uh, 40%, 500%, they, they forget the rest of the story. And this mm -hmm. is kind of like what you need. Um, yeah. It's like, so the main thing I need mm -hmm. to tell you is I forgot it. So, <laughs> so, so I, I gotta go. It'll, it'll come back. To okay. Me. Um, yeah, but that was just a huge, um, you know, experience for yeah. me to see that you didn't need to be the biggest company to comp to just wipe out the biggest company. You just right. need to be so specialized that they couldn't afford to do the same thing. Yeah. And so the rule is, um, the, the bigger the market, the more you need to specialize because mm. there's more competition and you'll do better if you do less. Can you guys hear that? The bigger the market, the more you need to specialize. Right. The smaller the market, like was when I was in a little town and I yep. was the only designer, I had to do everything. I was uh, like a country doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they needed me to do everything. Right. And sure, I sewed up all the business because there wasn't much competition. Right. But, you know, it only went so far. So, um, yeah, so the, it's all about that. So if you want to compete in the big world and make good money, you need to specialize more. Mm -hmm. And that's the counterintuitive thing. You think, like, well, then I'm going to be ruling out all this business that I'm getting now, I can't do that anymore because now I'm just going to do this little sliver. Um, so I would encourage you to think about it in a different way. Think about it as um, if there's a, enough money in that category mm -hmm. and you got a lot of it, how, and, and let's say that category is growing. Right. That could be huge, right? Yeah. You can grow with the category. Uh, so um, uh, I, I just think that's the way to go, specialize. Mm -hmm. Now, you d it doesn't mean you can't do other kinds of work. So all you people are worried about all the clients you're going to have to say no to, don't worry about it. Just take that work. Yeah. Just don't talk about it. Right. Just take it. You got it. It's profitable. Talk about the one thing you can do that nobody else can do. And um, talk about it in a really clear, powerful way. Make sure they understand you're the only one that knows how to do this. And you'd be surprised at what that does for you. And you'll still get other work from that that you just won't talk about. Yeah. Okay. So if I had a software company and I did the software, they might say, can, like Apple said, can you do the Claris logo for us? Yeah. Charge a lot of money for that because um, it's Apple, right? They got to like make sure it works all around the world. And yeah. That means traveling around the world and testing it and all, all the kinds of things we did. So it was probably, I don't know, half a million dollars to do this little logo that was just typed that you could buy for $40. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the right type and it was the right solution and they were all really happy and felt very strong about it. So it was valuable. And right. uh, we made a lot of money. We just never made a big deal out of that because it's not what we do. It's mm -hmm. not our niche. Mm -hmm. uh, you were talking earlier about segmentation and how different companies don't talk to verticals of other things. Yeah. Uh, yeah like yeah. software doesn't talk to hardware and hardware doesn't talk to retail. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you are able to pick a lane, which you did, uh, business, retail, software, packaging, if that sounded like you, you were the guy to call and you could basically outdo a firm that was probably a hundred times your size and start to charge. And I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, right. How much were you able to charge for this re business software retail packaging uh, back in the day? Right. So um, allowing for inflation, I mean, mm -hmm. it would be a lot more now, but um, probably triple it. And that's how much we would be charging. Okay. So today. guys, keep that in mind. I, Take these I, numbers I'm and triple it. triple. Yeah. Um, so we started out doing packaging at the same price as, as other firms were doing it that weren't specialists. 
you know, like Landor and uh, Primo Angeli, who mm -hmm. did a lot of food packaging and really beautiful packaging, but not specialized mm -hmm. in software. And we, we uh, took us a couple of tries to get up to that level where they were, and, and that was at about 10,000 per package. Okay. It's basically six panels of a box and whatever goes on that, right? Uh, and for us, it meant also testing. Um, so, well, actually, at the time, we didn't test. We didn't know about that. Apple got us into that. They forced us to do it, and it was mm -hmm. the best thing I've ever been forced to do. Um, so $10,000. And then we started getting up to fifteen. and as we got more, when we could say, look, all we do is software packaging, look, here's five Five examples was probably every one we'd ever done. Uh, here's just a you know a cross section, a, cr a cross section of what we've done, uh, and um, and we so we get more and we can charge yeah. more. Now, once we got to the point where um, the retail stores were recommending us, like you know a software company would go into the Comp USA. Um, or Fry's Electronics, and they say, look, we, here's our product, uh, we'd like to get it into the store, and they'd say, well, the package, you know, really we find packaging is very important. Um, nobody can really test your software, and so if the package isn't really, doesn't pop on the shelf, right. uh, and it doesn't look like yours, you really know what you're doing. And, and the reason they thought they knew what they were doing is because we'd been in there, Mm. in Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. testing them and talking with the managers and the salespeople. And like we indoctrinated them over a few years. And so they now had all the answers, right? And yeah. say, oh, no, you, you, you got to have the name really big on the front. You've got to have some symbol. You can't put all those screenshots on the front of the package. Nobody right. wants to see. They don't want to have that on the back. Right. You're just not doing it right. So, okay, they'd say, well, what should we do? They'd write out our phone number. That's fantastic. And they'd say, use these guys like a prescription so they'd come to us and they say oh we got to use you guys we were told by Cop right. usa or fries right okay so at that point the price was sixty thousand. Mm. now we're doing the same work as when we were making a profit at ten thousand, but now we're charging 60. so you see how that works now we are also better at it after a while mm -hmm. and we were we really knew that we could make a lot of money for companies and it was so measurable because it's a package it's a little more difficult when you're selling logos and trying to get $100,000 for a logo when they can get one for, you know, 1500 or something someplace. Mm -hmm. um, but there are ways of doing that. There, there are so many layers to peel away from this one story, this one example that you have that I, I would be remiss not to point out some of them. Before we went live, you were telling me at the end of the presentation of your, your carousel slideshow of the yeah. 22 ways to uh, sell more software and that they would ask you like, so what's the price? And you were saying like 10,000 bucks, even though that's more than what you ever charged and you were doing something very powerful, you're, you're dropping an anchor and eventually you got that 10,000 and then you blew past, which seems kind of like almost unfathomable that you could take on Landor own one mm. section of it and do six X of what they were charging mm. and, and beyond mm. and just keep mm. going. You went in, you were so well known that you actually went into these big retail spaces and you educated them on what you need to do so much so that you became the de facto authority and they, your words guy, they were using your language to tell uh, potential manufacturers, uh, this is not going to work here. And you guys don't know this, but retail stores, these big chains, they have a lot of power because shelf space, very valuable to them. They put a dud on there, they're not making money. Mm. And so they're mm. gonna, it behooves them to say, we're not gonna accept this, go hire a Neumeyer Design Corporation. That's who you need to work with. 
amazing. So now they're doing your selling for you. When you specialize and you're as good as Marty is, people sell for you. Incredible. Yeah, and you know, that language thing is really important. Having the words and keeping it simple and, and making your, um, how you express your work, making it memorable is super important. So that's one of the things I try to do in my books is give people that language so they can just take it and use it. I mean, a lot of it I took from somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, talking about software companies, uh, one of them that we had, uh, we ended up doing, I don't know, 50 packages for them. They just kept, after a while, they were testing packages with no software in them to see if there was a market if they built that software. Ooh, this is like early prototyping here. Yeah, it's wow. like a product prototyping. Like, right. Here's a, pro here's a, would you like this product? And people, if they went, ooh, yes, uh, they would go, they would program it. They would build that pro product. So we were doing a lot for them. And, um, and after a while, I got more and more comfortable with the people I was working with there. And I um, talked with uh, the head of the whole product division. And I said, so we've been doing a lot of work together. This has been great. It's fun. We like working with you guys. And it's just, I hope it goes on forever. Uh, why did you make that decision to use us when you had, you didn't even know who we were in the beginning? What, right. what was it? Uh, and my contact said, it was the zag. I said, the zag. Remember what you said? When everybody zigs, zag. So, Okay. <laughs> That Title for the next book? A book. Yeah. Uh, because I just remembered that story. It's like, right, right. That, was, that word stuck in his head, and I want a title that'll stick in people's heads, so it's Zag. And right. uh, Seth Godin said his review of it, if you read it, says, uh, before you even read the book, you know one thing this is the best title of any business book ever. Mm. <laughs> um, so, so it's all about how, do you, how you name things, how you express things in your work. And yeah. if your work is. Um, specialized and you do something that nobody else does or in a, in a, do it in a way that nobody else does, you've got to name those parts. You have to name the things you're doing. Um, and, and, and that'll help you sell it. It's all, you don't even know when it's working, but you find out later. Usually it's like, because like you say, they tell people, they tell other people. Yeah. I have one little quick question. And then Mark, you have somebody lined up. He's giving me the signal there. Take me back to this awkward Marty doing the sales pitch because you shared that. Like when you picked up the phone and you wanted to get one of these meetings and talk to them about the 22 ways to sell more software. Take me through that pitch. Like how did you do okay, this? Because yeah, people well, need, you, you guys know. can take notes here. You guys, are you guys ready for this? Well, you know, you had to dial it. Yeah. <laughs> what, we dial? I think we had dials. We I think you had buttons. The, I think you had buttons. Have the buttons. No, come on, uh, Marty. We probably had the buttons. Come on. Uh, yeah, so push the buttons. Yeah. It's like I, I push it and hang up. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I have it written out. <laughs> you, you pranked them. I, mean, I, I just like, it was so hard. Um, but I get somebody on the phone and yeah. they like pick up the phone because they probably didn't know it was a sales call and they're used to not getting that many sales calls. Right. If you've got their number, you've, you know, it's hard to get the number, but yeah, they'll pick it up and I'll say, okay, Hey, um, you don't know me. I'm Marty Newmeyer, and I've got a, um, uh, I do software packaging, and you're in the software business, um, and I'm the guy who, who has kind of um, helped shape how a software package works in the store, and I think we should know each other. And I have this slideshow called um, 22, way, 22 Ways to Sell More Software, and you know, no rush. Um, whenever you're ready, whenever you think you're interested in this, I will bring over a slideshow called 22 Ways to Sell More Software. Um, and I'll share it with everybody for free, and you'll know all my secrets. Tuesday, yeah. 
15 people, good. Yeah, cool, I'll be there, see ya. It's like, um, they were like, you know, you, you don't get any feedback like, hey, that would be great. You just get, okay, Tuesday. And how many people can I bring? 15, okay, great. And I'd be there, there'd be 30. So huge room of people and I'm the guy giving the slideshow and, it, and, the, and with all the questions, they would go on for like three hours. Just talking, it was a 45 minute slideshow that ended up three hours because they want to know everything about it. Now, once you get to that stage, um, who else are they going to hire? I mean, it's like, if they go to, to somebody else, another company, Pentagram or Landor, and they asked the, they said, well, what do you think about, um, what, is, what should happen on the side of a box? Or what do you do with the top of the box? And they don't know. They're going to go, can't hire these guys. Or they say, um, how do you know your design is going to work in the marketplace? And they go, well, because we are experienced. We've been doing this for a long time. They go, no, not going to do it. Newmeyer design team, they test. So um, we just basically sewed it up. And, um, and then when, when you get to the point where you own that category and there's nobody else that can compete with you, that affects profit margins. You can, uh, your price goes up, you know, if it's valuable. And um, the, the, the amount of money they were making in software, I mean, it was really expandable from hardly anything to billions of dollars. So this is not a big investment for them. It's a drop It was huge bucket. for me. It was yeah. like, I couldn't believe yes. uh, that they were paying me this much money. Yeah. So I went from being like broke all the time, like most designers, <laughs> uh, to, to having to be able to buy another house and to, you know, to upgrade my Toyota Tercel to a, <laughs> to a Honda. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, time, times are tough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people think like uh, boomers, they got it made. They didn't buy it. Right, right. Well, you know, yeah, now, sure. But, but yeah. it, it, you know, it took a long time. Yeah. And you have to learn how to do it. And, yeah. But you can do it. That's the whole thing. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's not magic. It's just like figuring it all out, trying things, trial and error, putting it together, find out who you are, what you love. Get it out there. Make sure that uh, you 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 know everything there is about that. Um, life gets better. Yeah, I'm gonna say this just so that everybody's watching. You're probably gonna want to rewind this and loop this part where Marty does his sales pitch and studied it, study it, figure out his framework, his process because it's the most natural, true, genuine way to do a sales call that I've ever heard. This is so you were like. I wish this was one of those competition shows where I could hit the golden buzzer and the confetti rains down on you and balloons and everything. That was pitch perfect. I wanted to applaud, but I didn't want to, to, to break your story there. So you guys re-listen to that part, see how he structured it, high piece of content, high value. You know how good he is is because when they don't ask you any questions like Tuesday, because to open up their appointment book, that's a big freaking deal to say that, can we invite other people and all the executives, yeah, all the decision all makers. offline that are these highly paid executives to listen to something for yes. it ended up being three hours right. and uh, with rapt attention. When you go from 45 minutes to three hours, you know pretty much the fish, you don't have to fish anymore, the fish has jumped in the boat and you're fish ready is, to take home. is jumping in the boat. It, that's done. And, and actually that's the way you want it to seem. You don't want to have to sell or push. Pushing um, is, a, is a tell for clients to go, oh, yeah, they really want the job. They'll yeah. just say anything to get it. Um, but I never, like, no, I'd say, you know, we're not for everybody. It's really expensive. So part of the thing is when I showed him the price, I wanted it to be more than I even wanted to get because right. I wanted to, to, like, make sure they understood that this is super valuable. Right. And we can always argue about the price later. If they yeah. say, 
if they say, oh, you know, we loved your, you know, stick your way out of our budget. And then mm -hmm. say, well, how much way out are we? Well, you know, it's like 10,000 over. And I said, well, what if we compromised? Right. Well, yeah, maybe. But usually it was more like, we want the best. Sure. Um, so we have no choice. Right. And through specialization and your testing, you were able to spot and see patterns that these other generic firms could mm -hmm. not see. Mm -hmm. That's why you can say, we always put the screenshots in the back. This is what's on the front. These are the colors. This is what works with authority because we've tested it. Okay, that was perfect. Let's segue to another question. Mark, take it away. So we have a lot of young designers who watch our show. And um, a lot of the young designers who are aspiring to be brand specialists, what steps do you recommend so that they could up their game? We already answered that question. And yeah, you touched on it, but they're wondering kind of like, okay, as they progress, you know, like. I'm going to say it for Marty. I'm going to say it for Marty. The first thing you do is you buy every book that Marty's written and you read them and you reread them and you highlight them and you take notes and you try, try to incorporate this and you get the language. Now, this book. Uh, brand A to Z is new to me, so I need to go through this because you can see that Marty is very specific in particular about language and words. And when you use the right words to describe something, you communicate to the other person, they know what they're talking about. That's it. Yeah, so um, I think that's, that's what I would suggest too. You start, you read my books in order. You can go online and Amazon and you can see them, the dates when they were published. Yep. The Brand Gap is the first one, then Zag. It's actually the order that my... A brand uh, teaching program follows that same order. It mm. starts with a general idea of what branding is I and see. where people fit, and then mm -hmm. it drills into uh, strategy, and mm -hmm. then it opens up a little bit and mm -hmm. so forth. So, um, and once you've gotten everything you can out of the books, taken it as far as you can, and then, then maybe sign up for um, a master class. Yeah. Um, we like to have people that have read the books, mm. and not just come out of the blue because the, uh, they might not pass. Right. <laughs> they might not pass the test, and that would be very embarrassing. Uh, but so so far, everybody has read at least one of my books, probably yeah. the brand gap, and so they're primed for this. Yeah. And um, and usually they're they've been in the field for a few years, so it's not like they're just out of school or something. Yeah. Okay. So we will include a link in in the description below with our affiliate link, guys, and the order in which you should read them. And I, I felt like this, and thanks for reminding me of this. It's like I think Zag's like the philosophy, the primer, and I'm sorry, it was the brand gap was the philosophy and the primer, and Zag it, it got a little bit more tactical and like I could get into it a little bit more, right? Is that yeah, right or did Zag is about differentiation. What's what makes just like I've been talking yes. about, like how did how did I be, become successful in Silicon Valley? I specialized. So. What is that like? So um, that is actually the bedrock of branding is that difference, um, a difference that people can believe in, right? They see it, they understand it, they, they get it, that this is how you're valuable in the world. This is yeah. the lane that you're in. So um, the, the question at the center of this book is um, our brand is the only blank that blanks. There's the onlyness. The right? only, yeah, the, the only. only, the only. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's a very high bar to say you're the only at anything, but mm -hmm. that's what you're shooting for. And um, so that's the centerpiece of everything I do right there. So if you just want to go right for the strategy, Zag is the book to get. Mm -hmm. But I do recommend that you understand branding first. So maybe Brand Gap and Zag are really good. When I, when I um, was writing this Brand Gap, my, I, the publisher came after me. They said, well, we saw you give a talk. We want you to write a book, mm -hmm. which hasn't happened to me since, but it was really great. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I said, okay, get, I have to come up with some ideas. I've got some thoughts. Let me get back to you. And they, they flew out to California to talk about it. 
And I said, uh, I got two books. I don't know which one to do. I got one that's called The Brand Gap. They, Ooh, that's good. Uh, and, then the, and then I have one called Zach. Oh, that's good too. And so I told them a little about it. And they said, oh, this is an easy thing. You do The Brand Gap and then you do Zach. So I, I sold two, two, nice. two titles wow. in one meeting. Um, uh, and that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Because first you find out about the general layout. What's the game? What's, how's, what's the playing field of brand? Yeah. Where do I fit? Oh, this is kind of cool. And then you get to this part about differentiation, which is the first part of that book. And you go, this is really counterintuitive. I'm not sure I'm getting this. I don't understand how this works. So mm -hmm. Zag is the next one to read and it mm -hmm. explains exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. And once you've got those two things, you could pretty much build. You're in pretty good shape at that you point. You are right? pretty, yeah. yeah. So the rest is just um, nuance, I think. Yeah. So I always recommend this because people always ask us the same question, like, what course should I buy? I'm like, you know what? Why don't you look at all the free content or just take small steps, read the books or listen to the podcast first. Mm -hmm. uh, there's isn't a shortcut, guys. Read the book and then you're primed. And now you know. And when you take the course, and, and, and hopefully some of you guys will want to take Marty's masterclass. Uh, that's happening in Philly and then uh, back to London and then Dublin. Participate in that way. And then you, you just, it's layers. You just peel it back uh, so that you don't get overwhelmed. Uh, I would don't say. Don't try to absorb it all at once. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not. It's a lifetime of learning, you know. It and, is. And you've got a long life to do this. But I just keep making progress little by little and make sure you understand whatever you're learning and really yeah. understand it and, and absorb it, even if it's just one thing a month. Like, I yeah. really get that concept and you remember it all the time and you add that to your you know, your repertoire, yeah. um, you're, you're going to get there. And if we apply some of the things that you're talking about today, even in the way that you learn, uh, I, I know I've probably read Brand Gap probably 12 times now, maybe more. Mm -hmm. Zag, I don't know. I mean, some, at some point the books are going to fall apart because I'm going over and over. Rather than spread yourself out wide, you can buy these two books, read them, stop, think about it, reread re them because you're going to pick out new bits that maybe were just too much for you to process the first time. Mm -hmm. um, something else that you talked about. Now, you've had a lot of practice writing because you've had years of writing and editing the magazine critique, right? And well, I started out writing advertising copy and learned how to do that. And it yeah. was like really hard, but I could write a headline and then I could write maybe 20 words of body copy and make that perfect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just learned a little by little. So after critique, though, that's what really uh, gave me a lot of strength in writing because, yeah. you know, you have to write 3,000 words in a couple of days yeah. and, and it has to be good. So so maybe that's another tip uh, is to, to practice articulating your ideas by writing, uh, maybe even do public speaking, but at least start writing mm -hmm. and formulate the things that you think you've learned. And, and uh, maybe you can pick up uh, maybe one or two books on, on business and marketing. And I think you, you have a pretty good foundation to build your house of branding on, I would think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Mark, are we good with that? Yep. Okay. And I think we've, I can sit here and talk to you for 14 hours, but I think at some point you and I, if you have time, I'd love to have lunch with you. Um, is what, what, how do we, how do we wrap this up here? We, we need to kind of finish it strong and um, maybe, maybe it's another story. Something else you want to talk about, Marty? I want to talk about uh, my latest book because just because I love okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love writing it. Um, it's uh, Different than the than the oh, what I call the whiteboards, yeah, scramble. Oh, scramble, scramble. Yeah. Um, so, I've been writing these whiteboard books, um, which are very simplified. Uh, the fewer words, the better. Mm -hmm. you know, just get it down to just pure gold and and illustrate it and make it interesting. Um, and th those work great. But I I realized that as you take branding into um, a more collaborative setting where you've got executives that you're working with, so this is advanced branding 
not just being a designer, but um, being involved in advising companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole different can of worms because you've got a lot of different personalities, a lot of people protecting their turf. This is where things go wrong in companies. Uh, it's people at the top um, being Machiavellian, basically. Uh, not that they set out to do that, but that's just the way people are. And yeah. so, um, how do you um, how do you show how do you get through all, all this complexity that you have this human complexity? And I think the best way is with a story. So I decided that I would write up all this brand stuff as, in a, as a thriller. Mm-hmm. So it's a business thriller. So a new category, mm-hmm. and it's about a company that. Um, the head of the company is young. He has only been in the job for a year. He started out as an architect, so he's a creative person. He's, he led this architecture firm to get to be like two, 300 people, like amazing number of people, and it's very successful. And one of the clients, a hotel client that they were building hotels for, said, why don't you come and run our um, business because you're already running a pretty big business. And uh, you, you can design amazing hotels, and so why don't you run the company? He takes the job, and the first year is a disaster. Um, not his fault, but he's facing all kinds of uh, headwinds, as we say in business, uh, that he doesn't know how to deal with. And so the board of directors gives him an ultimatum. They say, you have to reinvent the company in five weeks or you're out. That's, we, can't, we can't tolerate it anymore. We're, we're going to go out of business. After this business has gotten to the size 3,000 people, uh, in 40 years, suddenly in one year we could lose the whole thing. So it's up to you to reinvent it. So that means changing the strategy of the company. So brand strategy becomes very important. So that's just page one. Um, so, yeah. So he's he's like in trouble from day. He gets, okay. And uh, he, yeah. gets, he gets uh, uh, picked up by an Uber driver uh, who asks him a few questions that just like totally stun him. Mm. <laughs> so he becomes a major character, the Uber driver. Okay. Becomes his personal driver, essentially, even though he's an Uber driver. Mm-hmm. So it's that story of how this young CEO has to learn a new way of looking at things through the lens of branding uh, to reinvent the company into something amazing, like really innovative. And it's awesomely innovative. Mm. And what happens when you do that? What happens to you? What do you have to go through to get that to happen? What, you know, How do you deal with a board of directors who's maybe not so open to something new? Uh, how do you get design in, involved in this full, you know, like all the way in and make it like a design-centric solution? All this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and and this book now is um, the first book I've written that's outselling um, the brand gap. The brand gap is just because it was first. Just you know, I mean, it's been read by 23 million people. So, but this one is. Uh, selling really well. So I know it's working for people. I know they're getting a lot out of it. And there's two more that I would love to write. So we'll see. If it goes well, I'm going to follow it up with the next, the sequel and the next one. But it follows this same company all the way through uh, to like amazing, awesome success. Mm. Apple sort of success. So the book is Scramble and it's a, it's a zag for you because uh, previously uh, these were kind of instructional. Well, they're uh, very graphic. Yes, they're, they're very graphic. Based, and right. this is uh, narrative. completely, it's a narrative, but yep. it's, it's actually pretty visual. The yes. words and everything are, yep. are include a lot of design um, and design and, and visualization of things. So you, the whole thing is to make it, um, palpable for people to bring mm-hmm. in a lot of um bring the five senses into the story mm-hmm. so you'll see a lot of stuff there so it's a it's um it's a great experience for me 
not that different than the little stories I've been putting in these yeah, books. Yeah, I was going to mention that. This is just an expanded one. Right. Um, and my goal is to create an atmosphere where design is uh, much more appreciated. So it's for mm-hmm. you guys out there. Like, mm-hmm. So when you come into a company, you're going to get invited into the big, the big room, mm-hmm. with the big conversation, and not just stuck in the back room, stuck in the basement with no windows. If I don't know anything about branding, if I read this book, do I learn about branding through you the do. narrative? Okay, this is perfect. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to teach CEOs about branding because yeah. they're the key to all this. If a CEO doesn't really value design or puts it down on the lower on the food chain, mm-hmm. that's where you are. You, you can't get beyond that. So I want everybody to understand what their role is. So it parallels all the other books, but it just puts it into a narrative. So for people who love stories or even thrillers, they're going to really gravitate to, to that one. If they just want the principles in the most memorable way, Maybe the whiteboard books, although yeah. these can, you know, the stories can make things memorable, memorable too. Yeah. And, and this is also now self-published. It's a level C imprint there. Yeah. So this is great. And as you were saying, this is now outselling the original book, the, the, the brand gap, which this looks very promising for books mm. two and three. So I hope that mm. that does happen. You guys go ahead and pick up this book. Like I said, we're going to include all the links um, in the notes below. Uh, Marty Neumeyer, I, I, like I said, honestly, I'm not just saying this. I could sit here and talk to you forever. But here's the good news. This is actually the prequel to the workshop. So that's happening at the end of February. Yep. I'm really looking forward to that. I think we're all sold out now. I just You'd have to know somebody on the inside to get a ticket at this point. I think we're sold out at 60. That's it. You guys go to Philly. That's the next location. Otherwise, you can make a beautiful trip across the pond, mm. go to London or Dublin. And before we go, um, you talked about Level C having five levels. Yeah. And I, I said, I put a pin on that one. So what are the five levels that you're planning right. to so teach? So the first level is what we're doing here in mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, this is certified brand specialist. So this teaches you where you fit in the big world of branding, where you're going to be most successful, how to collaborate with people and make the most use of your skills. Right. And, and start to learn the terminology, start to learn the, the language of branding. The next one uh, is more like the book Zag. Uh, and that's uh, level two. Level two is uh, a certified brand strategist. So that's where you get to think bigger. Like you really connect design with with uh, business success, right? And um, uh, if you get to, if you're lucky enough to be a strategist and make money consulting that way, that's that's a step up in terms of profitability for most people. Not always, but it, it is. Uh, the third third level is brand architect. And so that's like going from checkers to 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 chess to three dimensional chess, mm. and that's where you you can um, lead a whole company. Basically, you you can lead any part of branding. Um, very valuable in the world. Uh, the fourth level is a brand instructor. That's where you get a chance to teach the same stuff that you were learning, and you uh, that really cements it in your mind. Like once you start teaching it, you know it cold. Right. And from there, you're ready to go to brand master, which enables you to be a CBO, chief brand officer in a large organization where you're working side by side with the CEO uh, in full partnership. So that's a new job classification that wasn't there before. It's mm-hmm. just coming out now. And by the time we get that in place, there'll be jobs. There are already people in our first um, our first class are already getting those titles. Oh, wow. They just heard about it, and then it's just like tuned into it, and they're yeah. getting them for smaller companies mm-hmm. or for divisions of bigger companies. But it's it's an emerging um, role that you can play, and that's not for everybody, mm-hmm. obviously. Not everyone wants to be a leader and lead you know, hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. 
But if you have, if you think someday you may want to do that, um, we can show you how to do it. Mm. Did you coin that term CBO? I thought yeah. I read it in one of your books. Yeah, you yeah. know, I put it into the brand gap. My yeah. first book, I envisioned it right then. We have yeah. to have a CBO. There right. has to be someone. It's just, it just doesn't sense. exist, but we have to have yeah. it. So now it's starting to exist. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, on, on behalf of everybody I know that's watching live, first of all, thank you guys. Um, Marty, it's been a true pleasure. Uh, this has been fantastic. I know this is going to get a, a ton of repeated views because of how much information you've shared with us, the learning, the sharing. Like I said, we probably need to do a follow-up this, on this episode sometime because oh, I have a thousand more questions yeah, to ask yeah. you. No, okay. no, that would be great. So, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys next time. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to the future and want to know more about our educational mission, visit thefuture.com. You'll find way more podcast episodes, hundreds of YouTube videos, and a growing collection of online courses and tools covering design and business. Oh, and we spell the future with no E. The Future Podcast is hosted by Christo and produced by me, Greg Gunn. This episode was edited and mixed by Stuart Schuster with intro music by Adam Sanborn. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by giving us a rating and a comment on iTunes. It's a big help in getting the future message out there, and it makes us feel good, too. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.